2: i gentlemen welcome back to veterans minimum your boy lamb here at the lamb show on all social media outlets make sure you're following or a veterans minimum anywhere you want to follow veterans minimum whether it's twitter facebook youtube instagram the whole nine fun episode today i got the abc recap basically running through the letters of the alphabet a through z and i got like three four bars on each letter and i got a bunch of talking points from baseball to referees to soccer to nba to nfl i got it all folks we're even going down south to college football we're gonna touch on a lot of different things recap in the week i did a video a couple of weeks ago and i got some really good feedback the abc recap really cool quick hitting there's gonna be video for that particular segment on the YouTube channel. So go and check that out. And at the tail end of this episode, I got my guy David Hill. Now, David Hill, for those of you guys that don't know, he wrote that feature article in Esquire magazine. There's a paragraph dedicated to me in there where I linked up with him back in September. Really cool. It was really humbling. And I couldn't express how happy it made me that everything is working, right? This guy thought I was. I qualified for his article and it was just awesome. And I thank all of you that listen because you've helped me build a brand throughout the years that has made it possible for me to put my name out there and actually gain some clout. And I, I couldn't be more thankful. Uh over the last couple of months there's been a transition to the show and the feedback has been tremendous. And if I haven't said it enough, I do want to take this time and thank everyone that continues to listen to the show because the show is doing well. Not much has changed besides the voices that you hear on here. And I try my best to give you guys the best show that I can because I still love to do it. I still like to do it and this is my shit you know what i'm saying so david reached out he writes for the ringer mainly and primarily and he's also a freelance writer so whoever wants to pay him some big bucks he'll write a feature piece for them so it was really cool a little behind the scenes of what my life in the sports betting world is like too you know my relationship with my father is on there too we talk about the stigma to the sports betting fan so you'll definitely check that out at the end and you know a lot went on this past weekend in the sports world if you guys haven't checked out A couple of the evergreen episodes, you know, we still those NBA win totals are still up, still viable, still relevant. You know, outside of me picking Steph Curry to win MVP and he broke his hand. So he's been out three to four months now. And, you know, night course to I, I took him second overall in my first ever yearly basketball league. And, you know, I always like to say that no one really cares about their about people's fantasy teams. They only care about their fantasy team. But I got to say, man, it's my first year doing NBA fantasy, and you're basically playing daily fantasy sports. You got to put a lineup in every day. It's craziness. There's so much shit going on. And, oh, lovely, Gordon Hayward out six weeks after undergoing surgery. He was my fourth-round pick. So I've lost Steph Curry. I lost Zion in the second round. I lost Gordon Hayward, fourth-round pick. My best player is Laurie Markkanen. I'm like 9 and 18 in categories. So in NBA fantasy, if you guys ever play basketball, it's like you got to win your category. So it's like points, field goal percentage, free throws, three points made, blocks, steals, uh, shit like that. And uh, your boy is getting pummeled. I think I've won like steals and threes. That's about it. So uh, it's been rough. Um, My fantasy team absolutely just... Gangbang boss over the weekend he did not have a good time but shout out to my guy boss who was on the episode last week if you guys missed boss he was on there. we were talking a little you know we did a segment called are we sure and we touched a little bit on the mlb Do a world series recap and went on that was really cool so definitely check that out uh all right as far as the plugs go that's about it ain't got no sponsor today we don't gotta read nothing we don't gotta say nothing so yeah i think it's it's safe to say that we could dive into this abc recap because i'm looking forward to see what you guys think about this i might I might bring this to the Monday show anytime there's a a Monday show where I'm flying solo and don't have a guest planned where I can talk about something like this. just gives me something to lean back and just chat about. Yeah, man. So as I mentioned, you can see this on the YouTube channel right now as I'm sporting my LSU Odell Beckham jersey that I got for about $13 from Japan stitched, it's fire, it's Nike, but no one knows that when I go out to the bars and I got my LSU bucket. You guys know the story about legends, how we went out there a couple years ago, sort of became adopted LSU fans, and they had a big win over the weekend, which, you know, we'll get to in the recap. So let's start it off, man. First letter of the alphabet, for those of you that might not know, is A. And we're going with Pete Alonso. Alonso won Rookie of the Year in the National League, the only bright spot really for the New York Mets. I'm a Mets fan, and you guys know my level of involvement i got a hair in my mouth level of involvement in baseball it always depends and is contingent on whether or not the mets are a good team and more times than not it's not really the case but he hit that phase where he was really like the lone bright spot for the team and even so like they went on that winning streak in the middle of the season too which was really fun and it got the crowd going and city field was pumping for those games and you know alonzo set the rookie home run record that Aaron Judge had just sent a couple of years ago and Alonzo beat that. So shout out to Alonzo and to the New York Mets. Uh, Hopefully we could keep him and not give him up for like some prospects or some shit like the Mets always do. B, I'm going to go with bad officiating. Yo, if you guys haven't seen this video, it's crazy. Driscoll hits Kenny Galladay on like a three yard pass and Galladay gets tackled. Let's just say in this hypothetical, at like the 42 yard line. He ends up spotting the ball on like the 39 yard line and the referee like doesn't fact check it he kind of just goes yeah you know what kenny you're the referee now you got the stripes and it's just been the common theme of the nfl right just bad officiating over and over and over again just you know the, the, the challenges have been abysmal and just across the board just everything has just been whack and it just continues right questionable calls in the green bay game as well and just a lot of BS over it with the officiating. You just got to make them full-time, right? All these guys are part-timers, and you're, you're a billion-dollar league, right? Get some good officiating because it's hurting your product. C, uh, Charles Rogers died at the age of 38. Charles Rogers was a former top-five pick in the NFL. Uh, I believe he went to Michigan State, and he kind of, you know, he was having a good rookie season and then injuries just slowed him down and then before you know it he was out the league and he's he's always featured on those top bust lists and NFL history and it was really sad to see that guy go man 38 years old um he battled some sicknesses and whatnot but rest in peace to Charles Rogers who you know a a promising career just never panned out if you get hurt when you're young it just it's hard for you to bounce back d is for as you can see in the shirt down goes bama bama had like a 31 game winning streak at home lsu had lost to them for eight straight years ed orgeron and the boys who shout out to him too he was at usc and usc didn't want to hire him um for reasons not really known and he's found a place he fits the lsu attitude and lsu beats alabama in a way that you haven't really seen lsu win games i mean this year you have but they're putting up 40 spots and you know bama coming off extra time to prepare so was lsu but Tua Tua balled out also you know that guy is tough as shit but it was it was burrow it was burrow and the lsu boys so shout out to them getting a win a big win and you know the leading favorite to win the heisman and to win the national championship e is for the epl derby between liverpool and man city Liverpool absolutely dominated them folks you know they won the Champions League last year they haven't won the Premier League in a very very long time and right now they sit eight points ahead of Man City and you know Sane balling Salah balling that whole team just a lot of depth now that's the luxury you have in soccer when you win all these major tournaments you have money to build your bench and then your guys don't get as tired you know because Liverpool is playing the 38 games in premier league but then they're going deep into champions league and fa cups and all that other stuff so shout out to liverpool man um eight points ahead now um f is for flurries finally we got some snow in the nfl that green bay game was really really cool it was fun to see it's just a good vibe like when you watch football it's meant to be played in the snow and i just love that visual winter's here folks i know this weekend in new york city it was like 32 degrees uh, two weekends ago it was 65 so yeah don't want to get too political and I don't know if this is a political take but global warming is real folks and we better buckle up and try to get that shit together because it's not fun uh G as we mentioned before Gordon Hayward now out six weeks with a hand injury uh the Celtics currently the top seed in the NBA in the Eastern Conference have so I would say it's fair to say they're exceeding expectations Kemba Walker seems to be the kind of guy that fits that culture brad stevens is trying to build and you know a lot of young guys and they seem to be buying in so that's a big injury though for gordon hayward who is really starting to bowl out too h is for haskins going forward the washington redskins have announced that Dwayne haskins is going to be their guy for the rest of the season and rightfully so it should be that because you got to see what you got in this kid you have to see daniel jones kyler murray Dwayne Haskin, these guys that were taken in the first round, you got to see. Drew Locke maybe in Denver, though Brandon Allen he got a win in his last outing. Kyle Allen now too. This is the year where you got to check and see watch these guys get enough tape on them and make the decision whether or not you're going to stay with them or move on because it's a very, very deep quarterback class coming out next year. I is for Iron Man. The Iron Man streak of one. Matthew Stafford 136 straight starts has snapped. A guy who Man, the famous famous game of his, like, he popped his shoulder and then ended up leading a game-winning drive, I believe, his rookie year. A guy who I think, when all is said and done, is going to be wildly underrated. Um, at parts and times, he was overrated, but, you know, and that's because of how much he got paid. But shit, man, if someone wants to give me $50 million, I ain't going to complain. So why should he? So Matthew Stafford has been playing with, like, a broken back so that guy is tough as hell man so shout out to him and his family has had to go through a lot if you guys want to look up what's happened over the last couple of years with his wife and her battles um shout out to the staffords uh shout out to his streak it has come to an end but i'm sure we'll see him soon jay is for our guy jared gordon yo jared if you see this bro good luck this weekend man big scrap in brazil against charles Oliveira, a top 15 contender in the ufc's 155 division Apparently no one wanted to fight Oliveira and Jared was like fuck it I'll do it. You know, any time any place. Big fight for him. You know, he's not going to want to hear this because all fighters want to win, but it's kind of a good spot for him, man, where he took it on short notice pretty much and expectations are low. You know, he's a plus 225 underdog. But shit, you don't got to tell me where you think don't tell me where my money's going because you guys should know that so good luck to jared gordon you can watch him on on uh espn this weekend i believe i believe it's going to be on espn plus but at the moment he's on main card because charles Oliveira is a big name so shout out to jared gordon let's get that w boss um k is for the knicks um shit show uh the knicks are two and seven or two and eight Suffered another double-digit loss. I believe they have the most in the NBA. And word is is that Steve Mills, the GM, wants to put together a meeting with James Dolan to fire Fizdale. And look, Fizdale, he hasn't figured out his rotations. I get that. But what do you want this guy to do? He has, I believe, 10 new players on the roster that he didn't have last year. And he also, they sold him on this dream scenario where you're going to get Durant and Kyrie and all these guys, and then you settle with like 17 power forwards on a 15-man roster you know so i like Fisdale. be patient with him unfortunately it looks like he's gonna be the scapegoat but that's just new york new york and the knicks that's just the shit that we always got to deal with as knicks fans ellis for lamar's world and we're just living in it folks uh this dude could do no wrong again has posted his second perfect passer rating of the year highlight tape 47 yard run the spin move heard around the world um currently Tyra Russell Wilson. We do not know what the outcome of this Monday night football game, which is on in the background right now. So if you see me peeking over there, I'm uh I'm being a degenerate right now because we got the Seahawks plus six. But, you know, Lamar Jackson, man, I, I admit defeat. I tip my cap to you, sir. I was completely wrong. I've mentioned it many, many times now that we need to start remembering that this dude stepped into an offense last year that wasn't built for him, and all Baltimore did from the playoff game against the Chargers that they lost at home until week one was completely build a team around Lamar Jackson's strengths and hide his weaknesses. And at the moment, it doesn't look like he has any weaknesses. So shout out to Lamar Jackson, currently plus 250 to win NFL MVP. M is for Minka Fitzpatrick. Yo, I brought this up to Allen. Shout out to my guy, Allen, but I thought he was wrong. I think it's been an absolute home run move for the Pittsburgh Steelers for many reasons, right? he has completely changed that defense around he's also 22 23 years old he's still under contract for a couple of more years he's a year removed from being a top 10 pick arguably the best defensive player in that draft class and you get a dude who's a baller and the only issue with him was that he was in Miami and he was being lost in the shuffle and no one wanted to be in Miami I want to be in Miami but that's for different reasons but yo Fitzpatrick I don't care that they gave up a pick that might be a top 10 pick. Yo, if you look at the history of the NFL, a third of the players are a letdown. A third of the players become all pros and a third of the players are out the league. That's just how it is with first round picks. So why not? And you know how I am. I would give up draft capital for an established asset any day of the week, especially when a dude that's 22, 23 years old. So shout out to Pittsburgh bands. Shout out to Micah Fitzpatrick. Yo, not for nothing. Kind of playing himself into Defensive Player of the Year candidacy. So shout out to him and shout out to the Steelers. At the moment, have a wild card berth if the season was to end today. And is for new top four coming, college football playoff, we lost Bama. Penn State took an L also. So you're probably going to have two new teams coming in, right? LSU is going to stay fold, stay, stay up there. Ohio State's going to stay in there. Is it going to be a Pac-12 team that sneaks in? Is Clemson going to get in there, which I thought was kind of crazy because Clemson is actually the the favorite to win the national championship prior to this past weekend when the top four came out. Clemson was the favorite to win the national championship despite being outside the top four. So you did have that, but there should be a new college football playoff coming up always uh, for opi fails again if you guys watch that tampa bay game you see steve kime the gm in the background absolutely loses his shit Farrell cooper gets basically tackled in the tampa bay game and no flag gets called out i believe it's uh single digit offensive pass interference calls have been overturned the opi rule which again tip of my cap off to everyone that called me crazy for it i was a big fan of it i thought that a lot of games are dictated and decided, I should say is a better term, by offensive or defensive pass interference. You know, a guy could step back, chuck a ball 60 yards, and in, it, it could be a spot foul inside the end zone. And a lot of games, shit, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl basically doing the pass interference offense. Those years were like Jacoby Jones and Torrey Smith. Just, you know, the, the Ravens offense for the longest time was just drop back and throw bombs and hope for P.I. So uh, definitely go and check that out. I'm going to try to find that tweet. So you guys could check it out at Veterans Minimum. P is for Prescott. Yo, Prescott balled out Sunday Night Football. He was not the reason why the Cowboys lost that game. Uh, Surpassed 300 yards. Just literally made every throw. Like, if you want to show someone a highlight tape of what every throw a quarterback should make in a particular game, it was that. Prescott absolutely balled out. That Sunday Night Football game against Minnesota, he showed that his ceiling could be a top 10, 5 to 10 quarterback in the league. And that was not something that I thought I could say about him not too long ago. Q is for questionable NCAA rulings. Uh, the Chase Young incident, I think is the NCAA just being too anal about things. Um, you know, Chase Young, arguably the top defensive prospect in this year's NFL draft. He got suspended for the game over the weekend against Maryland and it was because he took money prior to one of the seasons kicking off i believe it was his freshman year from like a family friend or a teammate of some kind and then you know it was to 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 help his family out and then he paid it back you know these college kids man they don't have the luxury of being able to work you know like that schedule is no joke you wake up you work out you go to class then you go to practice and then you got to do homework or study or you got meetings and shit so they don't have the luxury of working and i just think the ncaa You know, we just had that ruling come out, California versus the NCAA, and you see how these guys are going to be able to make profit off their likeness. And I think Chase Young is going to be the prime candidate of being able to do so in the near future. And more and more states are doing that because they don't want to lose recruits in recruiting, right? If I'm a kid and and, and I'm like lit and I have 500,000 followers on Instagram and I'm the top wide receiver in the country, why not go to USC or UCLA and I can make money and I can have an Instagram account and I can have – uh happy tea and and um man there's so much i don't know why i thought about happy tea i followed too many ig chicks but you get all these sponsors and whatnot you know maybe tabber shout out to tabber cheap plug veteran at checkout but why not go to california you know so i think the ncaa is starting to push a lot of people's buttons man a lot of people's buttons um r is for rams yikes uh, what was that? You know, Jared Goff, if you look at his numbers, I believe it's 17 touchdowns and 16 interceptions in his last 16 games that he's played. The issue is obvious for me when I watch the L.A. Rams. Their offensive line is abysmal. And that's what happens when you pay Donald. You play Goff. You play you pay Gurley. You pay. You're going to have to pay Jalen Ramsey. You're going to have to, you know, you have Brandon Cooks, who, again, hurt. I think it's five or six concussions in his NFL career. And this one is pretty severe. He did not play. It's basically the offense only looked good when you get Cooper Cup going. And he had zero points in fantasy this week. He didn't record one catch and a lot of drops. So the Rams offense, I think I'm still not selling stock on Jared Goff. He's no longer a top seven quarterback that I had him last year. But I think it's the offensive line. And that's what happens when you try to bring all these big names in. position gotta take a hit and for them it's the offensive line so that is not good for the la rams tough schedule to close out the year and that division is way 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 too tough i mean even the cardinals are going to give them a run for their money uh s is for saints what what the fuck was that the biggest upset of the year if you consider the point spread um saints were a 14 point favorite over matt ryan and the falcons shout out to my guy Allen. very excited Anytime they beat the Saints, he says, it's a win for Falcons fans. This is going to be in the discussion along with the Jets beating the Cowboys, along with the Falcons beating the Eagles as the WTF. How the hell did that happen game of the year? And it always happens, you know? So the Browns beating the Ravens the way they did, and then the Ravens go on and they pummel New England Patriots. So Saints just laid an egg. I feel like every team has... Uh, a late and egg game every single year and drew Brees looked old in that game so i'm sure the saints will back bounce back because they are a legitimate super bowl contender uh t is for tony parker having his jersey retirement day and yo one of the most underrated players of our generation he was never a top 10 point guard to people in the fantasy world he was always a guy who I compared him to, like, Russell Wilson maybe three, four years ago when you would talk about the top quarterbacks in football. If you mentioned Russell Wilson, you're like, yeah, Yo, you know what? You actually know football, dog. Like, with Tony Parker, he was one of those guys where it was like, you know what, you actually know hoops if you mentioned Tony Parker. And every time they played in big games with the Spurs, you could always count on them. So shout out to Tony Parker, hell of a career. You is for untouchable. De- Dion Waiters is loyal to the streets. He's loyal to the game untouchable in the sense that he is not selling out his teammates you cannot touch his teammates he is not selling out who it was that gave him gummies that led to him having an anxiety attack and now he's been suspended 10 games I believe by the NBA for uh for that um crazy crazy story you guys should definitely look it up but Deion Waiters man shout out to you being a student of the game and not being a snitch V is for violation Jamal Adams absolutely violated Daniel Jones bodied Saquon Barkley and then literally stole the ball out of the hands of Daniel Jones the Jets went on to beat the Giants and you know I'm a Giants fan did not care what do you congrats you beat the Giants they have two wins all year uh enjoy big brother little brother that don't mean nothing to me you know that's a win for the Giants one step closer to the pick in the draft trade that pick if you get number one probably gonna be the Bengals but you have a top three pick you won't need to spend it on a quarterback you're chilling So, congrats, Jet fans. Enjoy that one. W is for Wiseman. The Memphis, the number one projected player in the NBA draft, according to Chad Ford at ESPN. He was also suspended, but then ended up playing with Memphis. Again, the NCAA is just being very petty with things. And eventually, the NCAA, I think, is going to be in deep, deep trouble if they're not in deep trouble already. Um, A dude who is just being hit with sanctions and whatnot. Um, X is for uh x is for canceling and uh you know like exit out and that's pat Shermer. i'm fed up with pat Shermer. uh 13 carries is what saquon barkley had over the weekend for one yard and like at what point do you realize like i was able to realize watching this at home like yo dog he can't run up the middle stop running him out the middle and pat Shermer just has no i feel like he's losing the locker room so uh x that out Y is for Jordan Alvarez Astros rookie unanimous rookie of the year he won that accolade we mentioned Pete Alonso before shout out to Jordani Alvarez and Z is for Zabit I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name but he won over the weekend over a really fun fight against Calvin Cater in Russia was a main event fight but it was only three rounds Zabit is now should be next in line to a title shot over Volkanovsky and Max Holloway in the UFC's 145 division. And, you know, that's the big headlining fight. That along with Covington Usman and Nunez and Durand-Amin, Uh the next big pay-per-view in December, 245 in Las Vegas, the fabulous city of Las Vegas. So Zabit is next in line for the UFC. So that's it, ABC recap. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, you can go and watch this segment on YouTube, and you can see my reactions. Some of you guys are watching this on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, you see me putting the microphone down as we speak. So before we get into our interview with my guy, David Hill, patreon.com slash veterans minimum. Again, shout out to my guy, Jonathan Garcia and Tammy winning the October contest. If you guys want to enter for the December contest. Yo, I got a fire ass gift. I'm not even trying to guess it. First place for the December contest, though, you need to get in. In November, sign up now, patreon.com slash veterans minimum. There's a hat, there's a shirt, there's a skateboard that looks fire, fire. I'll post it on the Instagram page so you guys could see. But first place is going to have the option of winning all three. If you sign up, patreon.com slash veterans minimum, it's the $10 tier or higher. Shout out to everyone that continues to support the page. I appreciate you all and if you guys are not checking out the patreon page if you are patrons like i hope you guys are enjoying that content i work really really hard on that and also like a lot of times if you guys are just fans of the show you should check out the patreon because i put out like my dfs notes uh sort of treat it like a website where there'll be some posts on there too and sometimes i gather people's podcast questions on there and then sometimes i'll gather questions for uh you know this new thing where if you're in the 20 dollar tier i'm gonna be answering personal questions like a cameo kind of thing and i plan on doing some more stuff on the patreon moving forward but uh yeah definitely check that out guys and let's uh enough about me man let's get into my interview with my guy david hill from the ringer.com joining us now on veterans minimum i'd uh i'd say he's a friend of mine now we follow each other on twitter so david that makes us friends you know what i'm saying it's as, it's as good as it gets these days, right? <laughs> Freelancer who had an article featured in Esquire magazine, mostly about gambling, so obviously he's my kind of fella. TheRinger.com mainly and primarily. He's writing a book we'll get to at the end. David Hill, what is going on, my friend? Thank you for joining the show. Nick, it's my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. So uh, Happy, happy uh, Veterans Day. Yes, sir, seems absolutely. Appropriate, seems appropriate to be on Veterans Day. Yeah. You know, what's funny, man. This this time of year, we always get a bunch of emails about um, people thinking that we are veterans of some kind. And like we're not. It's just, you know, it's a play on words for, you know, a guy signs the veterans minimum. He's an aging vet and he wants to get a ring kind of thing, you know. But it's it's always cool to see the involvement. And we've done some charity work for some veterans in the past, which is really cool. And, you know, as I have my TV on right now, they're showing all the salute to service stuff in the NFL. But uh, yeah, man. Like I said, thank you for joining. We linked up, which was a pretty. The power of the internet is just unbelievable. How we even got together. If you want to, I guess share that with the people. Actually, tell tell the people a little bit about what you do before we get into that.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm um, yeah, I'm a writer. I uh, but I I feel like gambling has kind of become my beat the last few years. Um, so I write primarily about gambling. Um, and I'm a writer um a long form writer and um i wrote a story for the ringer earlier this year about um sports betting um where i spent some time with this guy spanky maybe you or your listeners know about him um but i spent most of the most of march madness hanging out with him and his crew and wrote kind of a story about his life and about you know what sharp players go through these days and uh And that was earlier this year. And I mean, ever since that piece came out, I've just been getting assignments from people who want a piece on sports betting because, you know, sports gambling is exploding right now. And, you know, so many states are legalizing it that um, that uh, a lot of the sort of media complex is, you know, they have piece on this. They want some, you know, they want someone to write about it but they don't they don't know anything about it so I kind of got lucky this year and got a few assignments to write about sports gambling for a few different outfits and so uh one of those places that reached Esquire magazine they wanted me to write about it in New Jersey um we came up with this idea for the story and um and then I found you on Twitter and uh we met up and uh you know you kind of helped me out with the uh with the piece
2: you know, it's we're about, um, you know, last summer was when the ruling came down on New Jersey. And that sort of became like a uh, snowball effect. And it's like nothing else. You know, the government saw how much money was involved. And after the Jersey Supreme Court case, they win that. And then it's just been like an avalanche effect where every state wants to put their own legislation, rules and regulations on sports betting. You know, what are some of the numbers that you've heard throughout the years of just how big some of these handles are across the country?
1: It's not, I mean, honestly, it's not that big in most of these states. New Jersey is, it's huge. Like nobody even, you know, New Jersey is second to Nevada, although they've had two months this year where they beat Nevada. Um, So they're, you know, equal with Nevada and might eclipse them soon enough. And then nobody else comes close. And, you know, the big reason why is because of mobile betting. I mean, the problem is that a lot of the states that are um, passing laws and bringing pre- sports gambling into their states, they're not they're not um, doing mobile. Like New York is an example, right? In New York, a lot of people don't realize this, but in New York, we can legally bet on sports, but we have to do it at like Vernon Downs, way upstate. You know what I mean? Like there's like two places in the whole, a couple of small casinos where you have to bet. And that's because the casino industry, the racetrack industry in other states want to make sports betting be something that brings customers into the brick and mortar so they're actually you know stopping mobile betting but if you don't have mobile you are just kind of handle the new jersey's been gay
2: yeah because the thing with mobile betting and i guess it ties into just our society right now and the culture of just all of us in this social media era is we want something instant and at our convenience right i mean i know me personally I rarely watch the news in the morning, but the first thing I do when I wake up is I check Twitter, right? And I check what's going on in the world. And, you know, that's a good a gift and a curse, I guess you could say. But with mobile, it just, you know, I could be sitting on my couch tossing back a couple of beers and, you know, let me me see who's going to score the next touchdown in this Giants game kind of thing. So that's where I think Jersey is really dominating in any state that's really allowing it. That's the big up that they have on everyone else
1: in time you know i mean it's the first step is for all these states to introduce it to you know pass these bills and get so that you know sports books can get their foot in the door but you know eventually it'll be everywhere and and they'll go mobile because they'll see the kind of if you want to do the kind of numbers that the state's doing you got to have mobile i mean it's like 80 percent of the handle in new jersey is mobile and you know we're talking about 10 billion dollars bet since the um since the law was passed i mean it's it's
2: insane i mean for me personally i know uh my friends and i my buddy boss who used to be on the show every saturday morning we take a drive out to the Fanduel Sportsbook, and you know we spend about one or two hours there we'll watch some random english premier so- uh, english premier league soccer game and whatnot and we'll put our bets in because you know we're big ufc fans over here and ufc there's pretty much a card every weekend for the most part so you know, we have our, our buddy Jared is a plus 225 underdog this weekend, actually, in Brazil. So, David, you know I'm going to be financially making an investment on him. But we go out there, and for us also, it is very – it's it's like a, a good time. And I would even call it an escape, which is weird because there's such a negative stigma attached to being a gambler or a fan of it. What do you, How do you feel about someone that's a better? And ha, has that ever been described for someone that bets – it being leisure and sort of an escape.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, gambling is like, um, you know, it's it's one of these things where it's considered by some to be a vice, um, but like all vices, it's also, you know, it's a leisure activity. It's entertainment. And so, um, you know, folks, I think there's this image that we have from popular culture of gamblers being, um, you know, degenerates that are sick that, you know, can't stop themselves from betting, which I think is unfair, you know, the same way that like not everybody who drinks alcohol is a drunk, you know, in fact, the vast majority of people in this country that drink alcohol aren't, you know, it's not to say that people aren't drunks. It's not to say that people don't get addicted to gambling, but it's, it's sort of the one vice that we've never really had any real representation in our popular culture of it being anything more than just pathological. And I, I think that's, that's, you know, been part of the problem for a long time. I mean, you can look at like any movie that you can think of that's about gamblers, you know, any, any sort of popular culture depiction of gamblers in this country, they are either, it's either that they're degenerates or they're like cheats, you know, like that's the, that's the two ways that we depict gamblers in our culture is that they're like, you know, addicted, or they're just, you know, nefarious characters. There's very little depiction of gamblers, people gambling for fun. Um, people, you know, or professionals that gamble and are fairly talented at it and can make a living at it. Like these, this isn't something that we don't get that kind of representation. Um, and I think that's the problem, part of the problem with the stigma that, that part of what allows the stigma to persist. And, you know, you and I talked about this one when I interviewed you for the story too, because, um, you know, we talked about your history and with your family and everything. And I mean, I've had a similar experience in my own family where, you know, where um, people that don't gamble really don't understand it, you know, um, and they are, it's hard for them to wrap their heads around it uh, the way that they could wrap their heads around other, you know, forms of leisure and entertainment.
2: Yeah, you know, just to just to touch a little bit on that, um, the thing that I was sharing with David when we linked up is, you know, and you actually mentioned this in in your article, too, which, guys, I'm going to have the link up to it. And I've already posted about it in in the past, but it will be up to how, you know, for me, it was sort of like a bonding time with my father, David. I I grew up. My dad is born and raised in Greece. He came over here immigrant. And when he was twenty one. Met my mom, you know, the American dream and whatnot. And the one thing that we always bonded over from a young age, I just, I'll just i never forget. I was seven years old, seven or eight years old. And my uncle came up to me with one of those parlay sheets. And he told me, he's like, hey, pick, pick eight games here and let's see what happens. And, you know, not knowing anything, I wasn't even a fan of football until I really got into high school and I started playing it. That's when I really became a big football fan as far as like the X's and O's and knowing what everything was. And uh, I just remember, man, I I I picked—I guess—winners, not knowing, and he gave me twenty bucks the next week. And he's like, "You did well, kid. Good job." And then from there, I was just—I was just hooked. I was like, "Oh, I could just pick random team names and make money." This this is lit. But as you get older, you realize that that's not always the case. But for me, you know, it was always something bonding. And like you said, uh, people in your family might not understand it. And I couldn't agree with you more that it is a vice and it could be leisure sometimes it could get very very dark as well how, how would you describe betting for you coming up you know just like your background in betting i
1: grew up in a racetrack town in arkansas and um you know i grew up in a family of gamblers and uh and in a community that you know i think it's gambling and um where it wasn't seen that way even though i grew up in kind of the bible belt um it was a town that where the economy revolved around gambling and it was just something that was a part of life where i was from so you know, I grew up. You know, I learned. I grew up around the racetrack, around gamblers. I grew up around carnival people, and um, and it was just always a part of my life. And it was something that, it, for me too, was something I bonded with my dad over. You know, I was not. I was kind of an inside kid, um, and my dad really wasn't like that. You know, my dad was like a. Um, you know, he's kind of a big redneck, and he was a hunter, and he, he played football, and. Uh, and like, I didn't like guns, I didn't like playing sports, you know, like but so we we didn't have a lot in common. The one thing that we bonded over was the, was the racetrack, was handicapping, was sports and you know, playing poker, all that stuff. I loved it. you know, I ate it up because I loved games, I love puzzles. I loved figuring this stuff out. and so that became the thing that he and I bonded over over the years and became a real bond between the two of us. So to me, it was always a positive association. I always associated gambling with something positive. It was to me, it was just a game that you played. You know, maybe you know, money was how you kept score, but you know, it was just something. It was uh, and it, it was something that was fun, and it was something everybody in my family, you know, did. You know, when I got older, like marrying a woman who um, had no inner experience with gambling at all. No one in her family. I mean, you know, it's still to this day. We've been married ten years, and still to this day, it feels a little bit like. I try to place my cards a little close to my vest, like about when I'm gambling, I know that like everybody in her family, you know, they, you know, they kind of, there's still a little bit of a stigma there and I don't want them to think that, you know, I don't want them to have assumptions about me, but you know, we were on a family vacation in Rhode Island this summer and um, I got in the car and drove down to Foxwoods one night and uh, <laughs> I told my wife, I said, don't tell anybody where I'm going. <laughs> you know, cause I, didn't want, I didn't want the next morning for everybody to be like, you know, whatever. But she told him anyway. Luckily, I won a bunch of money that night. So I had to regale them with stories of, you know, my triumphs. But uh, but you know what I mean? Like, I, it's one of those things where like I, I even though I don't believe there's a stigma, I still try to I, I pick and choose who I'm going to talk to about it because I never know what somebody's going to assume about me if they find out that I gamble. Now, professionally, I've sort of built a career around writing around about gambling. So that's kind of, you know, I'm less and less, I'm less and less able to like be guarded about this because it's sort of becoming something I'm known, I'm associated with. Um, and maybe that's good. Maybe I need to like, I can't expect other people to give it the stigma till I give it up, you know? So.
2: No, that, you know what, that's actually a good point because I, I know for me, uh, my family has over the years have accepted the fact that of my knowledge of sports betting and obviously I don't have all the answers. No one does. What is what's the number? Fifty five percent for a professional sports better in the NFL? Uh, fifty-four maybe. Yeah, roughly, you know, and to beat the VIG. Yeah, just to beat the VIG and, and be able to make a career out of it. But through the years as, you know, I've been able to build a brand and sort of a reputation being like a sports betting guy, it has erased a little bit. But you know, I'd be lying to you if if I said every time it was Thanksgiving and I had family over and I'm hoping this team doesn't backdoor cover and blow my parlay up the okay. Thanksgiving parlay that I always put put on. You know, uh, I'll never forget, man. Um, Clemson won the national championship with with Deshaun Watson, and I had him at eight to one. I had went to Vegas that summer, and you know, it's an annual trip we always go, my buddies and I, for NBA, NBA summer league. It's a really cool time. Like you see some of the big name players there too. They just, you know, they're in the end of the day, they just go to Vegas because it's Vegas and they'll show up courtside for a couple minutes and they make a weekend out of it. And uh, I bet Deshaun Watson and Clemson at eight to one odds. And it's Monday night. You know, we're we're both from the East Coast. And, you know, I'll never forget. Renfro (laughs) Renfro scores the touchdown and it's what, 1215 at night and I absolutely lose my mind. My mom comes downstairs in my home office, I should say. And she starts yelling at me. She's like, what the hell's the matter with you? I'm like, you have no idea. I have to get to Vegas. I have to get to Vegas. She's like, why? I was like, they just won the championship thousands of dollars. It's a great time. I'm not going to bed. So I just went straight to work the next morning. But you know, it's like, it's certain things where when you win, everyone is happy for you and they're happy that you're doing it. And when you lose, and I'm sure you've experienced that too, because I think every sports better has, it's always like, Oh my God, you need to stop. Whether it's, you know your spouse, your friends, your brother, sister, or whatever. Yeah,
1: look, this is a thing where um, in our country it didn't always used to be this way. I mean, gambling used to be very prevalent. You know what I mean? It was like um, I think it wasn't until kind of this purge that went on, starting in the nineteen fifties through the sixties, starting with like the Kefauver Commission and then the McClellan you know committee to um, push organized crime out of the, out of Um, gambling in this country, but prior to that sort of push that I think helped stigmatize gambling, you know, everybody in this country understood, you know, gambled and understood. I mean, it was was something that was, I mean, the most popular sports in the 50s in America were horse racing, boxing, and baseball. And that's because people could bet on them. You Mm -hmm. know, like it, those games were the games that people bet on. That's why they were popular. I mean, horse racing stayed popular in this country for a long time because of gambling, not because people were particularly wrapped up in, um, you know, their fandom for one horse versus another, and, you know, that's true for boxing, too. So, you know, it wasn't until they really tried to snuff out uh, the gambling business that we saw those sports really take a nosedive in their popularity around the country, um, and attitudes start to change. So, you know, it's just sort of weird if you read a lot of, um, you know, if you read literature or look at, you know, popular culture from the, you know, First half of the middle of this last century, you'll see that like Americans celebrated gambling in a way that we no longer do. I mean, you can just look at the show Guys and Dolls. You know what I mean? This massive Broadway hit that was all about you know trying like you know figure out where you're going to have the craps game the next night. You know, like that's that's something that would not be written today, you know, um, or wouldn't be celebrated in the same way today. And so. We've got to climb back up that hill. But I think that the expansion of sports around the country is a, is a step in that direction where we can sort of, you know, bring, you know, because it's not like people stopped betting. It's just that I think people kept betting, but they didn't. It wasn't something that we were, people were so open about or talked so openly about it. And in some ways, this really
2: parallels what's going on with marijuana in this country, too, where it's like Bingo. lots lots of people smoked
1: pot but they didn't talk openly about it at work or in mixed company but they were all doing it and now that it's being legalized in different states people are being much are more comfortable being more open about it the same thing with gambling like you can kind of come out of the shadows with it a little bit if you happen to be in the shadows with it at all and um and i think that's probably a good thing because as someone who lo- you know loves gambling and loves uh the different games associated that that you typically have to bet on i um, you know i welcome a change this this change in the culture i think that we will all be better off if we can you know uh have more gamblers you know what i mean more more uh more square money in the pools yeah. and uh and um you know and if we can i mean my oldest kid nine and he he doesn't bet but he understands what the point spread is and we never watch a football game that he doesn't want to know what the spread is mm-hmm. and you know what i mean like it's just a di- even even on a purely like watch, you know, just rooting for a team, he understands that like it's more fun if it's an even contest. So the point spread is what makes it an even contest, right? And so, you know, if his favorite team loses, he'll always be happy if they covered, even though he didn't have a dollar on the game. You know, I think that you know that's because the game of gambling is it's um, it's intellectually stimulating. It's you know what I mean. It, it it has some it has some real value, even if you don't have. Even if you're, it has value beyond the money that you win or lose because it's a fun game to play.
2: Yeah, and also I think the thing with sports betting it was always the elephant in the room that people wanted to ignore, but everyone knew about, you know. And with it coming into the limelight in more and more states, you know, at the moment right now, I think it's it's up to have the article in front of me it's you know 13 states are like locked and loaded ready to go and then there's like another eight states on deck and then you know there's another like 15 moving towards legislation this article from from uh espn um the last thing i want to say like that, that's a really funny story and pretty for me that's an awesome story about your son i think that's dope as hell because that just you know flashbacks to me and my pops and through the years, if there was ever like a beef between the two of us, you know, young kid just growing up thinks I, I think I have all the answers to life, and we'll go like a day or two and not talking or whatever, and then we'll be at work together. We'll be like, so what's the line on this game tonight? Where are we looking? And then from there, it's like everything just got a race you know. Like that's why to me the cool the coolest thing about having this show and being able to build a brand is, you know, it's something that I've been doing for so long behind closed doors and just knowing about it to now putting it out there and it's sort of like a passion has become a a a project so to speak you know yeah and, and finding out there's a lot more people out there that are doing it too right i mean one of the things i definitely you know one of the
1: things i definitely noticed though in reporting the story and really all this year reporting on sports gambling in general is that you know that the, the, the game could really benefit a lot from an expansion in terms of like getting more people playing because I mean, I tried really hard for the Esquire piece. And I mentioned this in the story to find a, a woman and, who was betting. And I didn't all weekend find a single woman who was betting, you know, even though they're out there and they exist, even the, 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 told me that they believed like 10% or less of their customer base female You know, we had that number up a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's probably got a lot to do with the with the stigma that we're talking about. And if, the more that we can, you know, eliminate it, the more we can see the other half of this people that live in this country. You know, the other <laughs> the other half of Americans that women um, getting more
2: involved in, I think it only be for the good. I want to get into this article right now as we come to an end. You know, uh, um, what what some of the craziest? G- give me the craziest story you uncovered. From this article, and what I mean by that is, you know, your your main focus was the depths that people went through to make a wager, right? Like for me, I would have well, to get into the New Jersey borders to make a bet. So, what's like some of the crazier stories you heard of people super degenning
1: Yeah. So, just to be like the 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 idea behind the story was that, um, you know, an editor at had read an article in New York Times about sports betting in New Jersey, and there was a quote from Chris Christie in one of the articles that his friends would go to the Vince Lombardi rest stop to place bets, his friends in New York, right? And this is just New Jersey needling New, New York, right? It's like a classic thing for for New your listeners that don't live out here, like, you know, the New Jersey-New York uh, um, sort of rivalry, right? And so this was like his way of needling New York, saying like, see, you know, you guys can't get it together and legalize this, so all your... So people are just coming over here and betting in New Jersey. But the editor reached out to me. He said, is this real? Is this really a thing that happens? And I said, yeah, man. I mean, I do it. You know, I drive into New Jersey to make bets.
2: It's definitely a thing that happens. So that's, that's, David, I hate to cut you off. That's literally the stop that I make if I can't get to FanDuel <laughs> Sportsbook. Because you're right. For, for me, coming out of the, uh, the, the tunnel, the first major stop on my way to MetLife Stadium, where the Giants and the Jets play, and now it's in the same parking lot as FanDuel Sportsbook is Vince Lombardi way and I always pull up there which is crazy I remember yep. that was one of the first things we were talking about you're like yeah Vince Lombardi way
1: yeah and I live in Nyack so I'm closer to the northern border of New Jersey you know so I uh, you know just go to um, Pearl River and just drive over the border there to McDonald's or whatever which I think is what a lot of people along the New Jersey New York border do but I went on Twitter I said does anybody do this a ton of people responded to me and over and over again people kept saying one yeah i go to hoboken i go to hoboken the hoboken path the hoboken path i heard that over and over again so i figured that's where the spot was i spent the opening weekend of nfl season hanging out on the platform at the hoboken path and just i mean it was a little bit (laughs) i just would straight up walk up and 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 ask them hey are you are your sports better while they were betting on because everybody there were a lot of people that would show up on the platform they get off the train they ride over from you know uh downtown uh Hoboken's the first stop in New Jersey. They get off the train and they make their bets on the platform. They get back on the next train. They don't even have to pay a round trip. You know, it's just one a one way fare because you don't even have to leave the platform to make your bet. And this would just happen all day long. And so I would like, kind of like look over people's shoulders. I mean, I felt you know weird about doing this, but, <laughs> I, didn't see any other, but I couldn't see another way around it. And I would just walk up to people and say, "Hey, are you, you know, you betting on sports?" And that would freak people out. And I'd explain who I was and what I was doing. And, you know, some people didn't want to talk to me and, you know, some people did. Hardly anybody wanted to talk to me and give me their real name, which I thought was kind of, and kind of a, contributed to this idea that I had that the stigma has not gone away. A lot of people said, yeah, I'll talk to you, but don't use my real name because they didn't want their spouses or their family members or their bosses to know they were betting. Some of them might have been on the clock. I don't know. But but yeah, I would go up and talk to them and I'd be betting on, you know, tell me about why you come over here. What When did you start gambling, you know whatever. And I mean, I saw it all, you know, I saw old people, young people, black people, white people. I mean, I didn't see any women, but I saw all walks of life and, uh, they, uh, you know, poor people, rich people, you know, like people that work on wall street in suits and ties, you know, young people, um, people who were like wearing their like safety vests that were on their break from some sort
2: of like, you know, uh, you know, construction job. I mean, right. every, you know, everything you could imagine. And like, um, but
1: I also saw a lot of people who had just started gambling fairly recently. You know, um, I didn't. You know, some people who've been betting a long time, but you know, a lot of people who had just been betting in the last few years, um, which I thought was an interesting kind of anecdote. Um, in terms of like the craziest stories I heard, I mean, you know, I feel like for a lot of these people, there was a lot of trial and error before they found the Hoboken platform which i thought was interesting because i found it because everybody on twitter said to go there so i just assumed that this was a thing that people passed around with each other but almost everybody i talked to said no you know i here i tried it there i tried this and then i finally found this spot so like they didn't even all realize i had there was one moment i was on the platform and i'm talking to a guy and i pointed out to him that there were three other guys on the platform doing the same thing he was doing he didn't even realize it like he didn't realize that everybody else on that platform was making i mean we were the platform was essentially a sports book, you know, like <laughs> all the people hanging out on the platform were really just betting. And I said, why do you think these people are hanging out here, man? I mean, there's only one train that comes in and out of here. All you guys got off the same train, like you're all betting. So he's kind of funny. So, you know, this was a thing that people were doing. It kind of organically was happening. People were doing it independently. But I heard stories about people trying to bet on the Staten Island Ferry. You know, I heard a guy tell me about how he would, he went to the Tri-State Monument uh, where it is, Port Jarvis, where there's like the monument that's in that's at the corner of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, and he stood up on the monument to try to get his phone to register in New Jersey. You know, people on the west side of Manhattan trying to find a spot where their phone would register, um, you know, whatever people could do to New York to try to get their phone, trick their phone into thinking they were in New Jersey, but none of it worked. You know, you had to be in New Jersey. So, you know, it was all about finding the quickest, easiest spot to get in, get out. A lot of people talked about driving over the George Washington bridge and pulling over in Fort Lee at that KFC. If anybody knows, there's like a KFC with the parking lot, right. As you get off the bridge, that's a hot spot. I thought about going there, but I didn't want to, have to tap on people's windows and get them to roll down their window for me. But, <laughs> but like, I mean, it's happening everywhere. It's, ha- it's happening at the, at the Vince Lombardi and the other rest stops, you know, on the turnpike. Um, you know, this is a, uh, you know, I had talked to people who were, who were driving down from like the Catskills, and they were driving into New Jersey to make all their bets and go home. Um, I people in Westchester who, you know, would have to take a whole day would take a whole day off just to go down there and sit and bet. I mean, uh, New York is losing a ton of money. I mean, that's kind of the at the end of the day, that's kind of the 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 takeaway from this story was man, New York is losing a lot of potential revenue because at least 25% of all of the FanDuel's business in the state of New Jersey is New Yorkers. 25%, one out of every four bets in New Jersey is coming from a New York resident. So that's massive. Um, And, uh, you know, that's a lot of people. When you think about $10 billion, you know, that's a lot of money that's coming just from New Yorkers. So the state's, you know, foolishly leaving a lot of money on the table
2: last question as we wind up here um what do you what do you think the state of like the 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 local bookie is nowadays do you think that, or did you did you dig up anything on that did you yeah, happen that's, to- a gr- that's a great question and
1: you know prior to this assignment i've had i've had a lot of places this year reach out to me and say that they wanted a story about how the local bookie the street book whatever is you know going out of business because this and there's even a line in my article and I, I maybe I shouldn't see that but like there's a line in my article about bookies getting you know kind of getting put out of business by by the by in New Jersey by legal sports betting and I think that came because a guy a guy told me that his bookie you know was going was losing money on this but I actually I I what I have found is that that's not the case in fact people I know that do book bets have told me that business has never been better. I mean, the thing is the bookie is all, you know, the bookies that existed prior to New Jersey passing this law are not going anywhere because their business model is completely different and their, and their customer base is completely different. Like they're offering credit Mm -hmm. and people that, that want and want to bet on credit are never going to post up on an app. I mean, maybe they will, but like, you know, people who are used to betting on credit and who make a lot of bets and settle up on Mondays or whatever, like, it's just a whole different thing for them to have to post up, probably. So I think there's always going to be a need for a bookie that is going to let you bet on credit. Um, and I think that, like, legalization – and I don't even like to use that term, but, like, you know what I mean? The, the, the sort of regula- the regulation of sports betting in New Jersey has created a much wider pool of people – who who now understand gambling like someone who might have been intimidated to bet with a bookie because they didn't understand it but they'll do it on their phone as they'll go through the trial and error of winning and losing to figure out the game as they get more confident they may want to take on a bookie who may take the kind of bets that william hill won't take i mean william hill limits some people to like you know very small bets you know Mm -hmm. and so you may need to find a bookie who will let you bet a little bigger i mean it's a give and take like a place like William Hill might limit you to $10, you know, on a on an NBA total or something absurd like that, but they'll also let you bet like a 15 team parlay or something crazy, whereas your your, you know, your barroom bookie won't take that ridiculous parlay, but will let you bet at larger units if you're taking a total or. So, you know what I'm saying, I think that there's there's room for both to exist and everything I've heard anecdotally from people is that you know, this expansion of the pool of gamblers is only good for bookies, that they're not going to disappear.
2: Yeah, I, I think the bookie, it goes back to what I mentioned before about the mobile betting, where it's it's convenient. And the thing you mentioned about credit, uh, it's a little bit of a dangerous game. Um, uh-huh. The My favorite thing about the legalization of sports betting is, yeah, I have 200 bucks this weekend. Let's go put, you know, let's go have some fun like that, as opposed to going to a bar and spending money on drinks. For me, I like to go to a sports book and put the money that I would spend on dinner and a movie and, and all the other fun stuff. I do that. And the thing with credit is it could get very, very dangerous, very, very it could put you in a hole, you know, with you can't go to a FanDuel book or the William Hill and say, you know what, yeah, let me get this on credit really, unless you build to a platinum member or whatnot and you get an account with them that's a little bit different. But for the most part, yeah, it is it'll a lot safer.
1: Yeah, and I think, like I said, the uh, the um, anybody who was betting with a bookie before the law passed is going to keep betting with a bookie, mm. and so they don't lose those customers to FanDuel. What happens is FanDuel creates new customers for them. That's what I think is happening. But again, it's anecdotal. But you know, that's what I believe is happening. That's why I have kind of resisted writing that article that people want me to write about the death of the the death of the bar stool bookie because I just don't think that that's really happening.
2: Well, David it's been a pleasure i appreciate your time i appreciate you thinking i was uh good enough to make your piece that was really cool i have the i printed it out i got the hard copy i got all that fun stuff the floor is yours my friend you mentioned something about you're writing a book too like what aren't you doing nowadays i wrote a book um
1: it's coming out next year um it's called the vapors um it's about the town that I refer, I sort of alluded to earlier in our conversation that I grew up in, um, Hot Springs, Arkansas, and it's about the, uh, the gambling business there in the 1960s. It's about the mob. Um, it's about my grandmother. It's about illegal casinos and about sort of an interscene mob war that my grandmother was caught up in the middle of. So it's a little bit of family history and a little bit of like underground American history. And uh, that's coming out on Farrar, Strauss, and Jerome next next year. Um, next spring so it's called the vapors hopefully your readers will keep an eye out for it and uh, pre-order it
2: when it's available hopefully around that time i could get you back on again and you could plug it and remind the lovely folks of vm that it is coming on okay we'll do it well david uh, let people know where they can find you if they want to contact you if they want to read any of your stuff if there's anything more you know uh, a little bit closer than the book that's coming out let us know
1: yeah my website's davidhillonline.com And you can find links to a lot of stuff I've written there. I've got a lot of good gambling, uh, long form pieces there that some of your listeners might like. Maybe they won't, but that's where you can check it out and uh, you can reach me there, too.
2: David Hill, folks, staff writer, well, writer mainly, primarily for TheRinger.com and freelance writer. Thanks again, man. I appreciate the time. Thank
3: you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?